In the previous episode, I was having a chat with Carl Johan Lindquist from the Lundgren and Lindquist Design Studio. And I asked him how he would define the value that they create for their clients as a studio. And this is what he said. We say in our website that we do design and development. And we also say that we do design and development with uh, purpose and precision. The precision bit is what you uh, what you see in the... Uh, in the work in terms of like how it's executed. So the, uh, uh, the actual uh, craft uh, of, uh, of creating something, be it digital or a physical piece, like a business card or a website. The precision is the, in a, in a sense, the design, the graphic design bit. And then we also do the purpose. Uh, we think a lot about the purpose of what we do and that is, probably more of the uh, strategic uh, side of things where it's uh, grasping our clients' needs in terms of visual communication, perhaps. Later, I asked the same question to myself with regard to design discipline. Design discipline at this point is a young and fast evolving project. I'm still working on building the identity and definition for what it is, so to Get some inspiration i went on the internet and i searched for some quotes about design and incidentally i came across something interesting so now i'm going to read some of those to you design is intelligence made visible this is by alina wheeler who literally wrote the book on designing brand identity every great design begins with an even better story this is Lorinda Mamo, a graphic designer, and I really like this next one by the abstract expressionist painter Hans Hofmann, who has said that design is the intermediary between information and understanding. Thomas Watson, the legendary leader of IBM, has said, good design is good business. And these quotes to me are very interesting because I kind of see a pattern here. I feel like what is suggested here is that there are two kinds of activities or competences that make up what design is, which relate to the theoretical and practical, we might say. They seem to imply that no matter what kind of design we do, and this could be graphic design or engineering design or business design or furniture or whatever, no matter what kind of design we specialize in, there is a meaning to the word design that applies across all of these specializations. So there is some kind of mental model for how we can think and talk about design, a kind of philosophy for what design is and what it means to be a designer and to do design. So this episode two of Design Discipline is about this basic philosophical conception of design a mental model for what design can mean and how this model can improve our lives as we work with design. This is actually a very simple model as suggested by the quotes that I've found, which reflect the opinions of competent designers and creatives with different specializations. It seems to be the case that we can view design work like a two-sided coin as the synthesis or marriage of a theoretical side and a practical side. And we can call this by different names. We can call it decision-making and execution. We can call it reasoning and crafting, but I think there's a particular word choice that works well. And for me, this is the distinction between the concepts of strategy and tactics. Now, I like this language because this appears to be the choice of words that professional designers and leaders in the practice of design use to describe their work. For example, there's a really interesting series of interviews 
that I found on YouTube and as a podcast called High Resolution, where they sit down with really high caliber design leaders and talk about their profession. As a side note, if you're enjoying design discipline, I definitely recommend you check out High Resolution, which has been a great inspiration and influence on what design discipline is about. But anyway, it was on these interviews that I heard from design leaders, like for example, Phil Gilbert, who is head of design at IBM, they refer to strategic and tactical sides of their work when they talk about different kinds of competences. Later, I was reading books like Creative Strategy and the Business of Design by Douglas Davis and the Win Without Pitching Manifesto by Blair Enns. And these are like playbooks for how to thrive as a professional doing creative work. In these books, I found the same language referring to the distinction between strategy and tactics. But so what is strategy? What is tactics? And how are these concepts supposed to help us as designers or design students or people who work with design or designers in some way? Well, these words seem to have a military origin and perhaps one of the shortest and cleanest explanations for what they mean we can find in the classic The Art of War by Sun where he writes the following, all men can see the tactics whereby I conquer, but what none can see is the strategy out of which victory is evolved. So strategy, according to this definition, is invisible. In other words, strategy is the brain work. It is the decision making. This is the research, observation, analysis, and debate. It's the work that goes into collecting and evaluating evidence applying logic on information and ultimately making decisions in an intelligent fashion. And on the other hand, while strategic work is done with the brain, then tactical work is done with the hands. Tactical design work is the craftsmanship that goes into the visible aspects of a product, but not just into the ultimate product. Tactical work also relates to how we craft the various means of communication that we might use in the process that leads to the product. This is your mastery over typography and illustration and modeling with paper and wood and so on. So now that we have this language and we appreciate the distinction between strategy and tactics, now we can talk about why this is useful. First of all, even though it is useful to be able to tell them apart, I would argue that design is always about the union of strategic and tactical work. So it is essential, in my opinion, that if you call yourself a designer, you have to be competent in skills that relate to both sides of the work. On one hand, you have to be a master of gathering and analyzing information, while on the other hand, you need to have and use hands-on skills. Of course, it is not possible for any of us to be a master of everything on both sides of strategy and tactics. There are thousands of little skills that we might be using and we really can't be a master of them all, but we can pick and choose from different sides. So for example, I don't have any idea how to work with wood and I'm not very good at designing electronic circuits, even though these are some tactical skills that have figured in the projects I worked on, but I am able to do, for example, programming and 3D modeling. So when I get together with collaborators, I'm able to make tangible contributions in these ways. So if you would like to call yourself a designer, in my opinion, you have to be able to create visual or physical deliverables, in addition to being competent in strategic thinking and communication. Now you can choose to be a tactician or a strategist, but in my humble opinion, 
that is not doing design. So perhaps in that case, you've chosen to be a business strategist or a researcher or a craftsperson or even an artist of some kind. And these are all valuable things to do, but they are distinct from design. Now for professional designers, this idea is probably obvious. Even though they may or may not prefer to use the words that I use to talk about it, I like to call it strategy while Carl Johan calls it purpose, for example, or Alina Wheeler calls it intelligence. But I've been observing that this idea is a little less obvious to some other kinds of people. For example, I teach university courses on interaction design, and what I see is that a lot of our students come to us expecting to learn a lot of tactical skills. When they come to study interaction design at the university, they expect to learn and practice how to make apps and gadgets. However, most of the professors, the educators who teach them, are more engaged and more skillful when it comes to research and reasoning and rhetoric, which relate to the strategic side of design. So a lot of friction results from this mismatch of how students and professors use different mental models for how they conceptualize what design is about. So I can recommend to design students or those of you who are considering to study design that you can first of all clarify what you're expecting to learn and subsequently to practice in terms of how it pertains to strategic decision making and working with your hands. And when you're making decisions on what courses to take or what kinds of internships and work experiences to go after or even with the grander decision of what school or department to enroll in, thinking about this distinction can help you make better choices. And then in professional life, having a clear conception about what it is and what it means to be doing design helps us evaluate design work to judge what competent work is like and then to clearly communicate our critiques and suggestions to the relevant people. If you're looking to recruit design services for your business purposes, I don't think anyone would object that having a clear idea about what to expect is helpful. When I worked as a freelance web designer in the past, one of the most frequent problems that I had with clients was that a lot of them came to me having done all of the decision making and they just wanted someone to code up the exact thing that they want. I even had clients who gave me like screenshots from other websites and instructed me to make their website look exactly the same. As a beginner, I did accept some of these assignments and I delivered, but at the end of it, I wasn't proud of the work that I've done. When I included these projects in my portfolio, it didn't make sense because they didn't represent my taste in design decisions. And later when I recruited designers as a client or collaborated with designers, I realized that the most enjoyable projects I had were the ones where my designer made decisions as well as creating materials. I definitely do not enjoy it as much when I work with a designer who thinks their job is to do research, but doesn't present that in a well-crafted format, even if it's just a one-page memo. And I've also received a lot of work which looks great, but it just doesn't make sense. As a client or colleague, I expect from my designer that the requirements or comments I provide, for example, among other sources of information, are materialized in the final deliverables, or at least they should be acknowledged and reinterpreted in some way, but this should be obvious in the deliverable. So my recommendation if you are recruiting a designer would be to expect that your designer should contribute decision-making, 
as well as tactical executions of those decisions into visual and tangible materials. You can then compose whatever brief or job description you will provide based on this. And you can evaluate who you want to work with, factoring in both kinds of skills. And on the other side, if you are a designer who's just starting out, you can consider how to construct your portfolio to showcase both tactical and strategic competences. So the challenge here is how do we do it? How do we unite or connect strategic thinking and tactical making? And how can we tell if it is done right? A lot of traditional models give you the picture of a straight arrow pointing from strategy to tactics. You take in all the evidence, you analyze the process, you formulate a strategy first, and then you go and execute on that strategy. In software engineering, for example, they would call this a waterfall model, where the execution clearly follows from a predefined strategy. In reality, design work is a mess. It definitely doesn't look like a straight arrow of any kind. If you look at how people picture ideas like design thinking, for example, you see a lot of circles and feedback loops and infinity symbols. The problem though with all of these loops is that at some point you have to complete the project. You have to break out of the loop, you have to ship. So I like to picture design work as a series of iterations or steps that alternate between strategy and tactics. I like this kind of picture because it makes me realize that first of all, we need strategic questions that need answering and gathering evidence and analysis and so on at each step. But all of this strategic thinking needs to be materialized in a tactical deliverable. And this material then leads to new insights and new questions and new analyses and so on. So very concretely, if you're involved in design work and you notice that there has been a lot of analysis and strategizing going on for a long time without any material deliverables being produced, you'll realize that perhaps it's time to change the gear. Or if you've been building and creating for a long time, but you haven't received any new information or refined your brief for many weeks, then it might be time to ask some questions. A lot of my work these days is academic research where we explore new and unconventional uses for robotics. And even in research, I've been witnessing how iterative working is a winning model. I've been working with my good friend, Joe Ladelfa from Australia, for example, and he is an industrial design engineer who creates experiences with tiny drones to guide meditative exercises. Since we write research papers, we have been discussing a lot about how iteration is the central philosophy and how he invents and then refines these crazy cool concepts and how he's able to balance innovation and reliability and aesthetics and so on within an iterative process. And then in the real world, or maybe the commercial world, for examples of how we can observe the connections between strategy and tactics and iteration, I think this is particularly visible in the work of Jack Butcher and his internet brand called Visualize Value, which I came to know in the last year. Jack is a master of expressing abstract or strategic ideas with graphic design and illustration. And in the last couple of years, he has been iterating and expanding on this skill to build an impressively successful business. Last but not least, I have recently been reading a book which has a lot of short and well-written case studies and stories about how strategy becomes embodied in design deliverables. And this is none other than the book How To 
by the legendary Michael Beirut of the legendary design firm Pentagram. This is certainly one of the best books I've read on design, particularly on graphic design. I can't believe it took me so long to get hold of this book. It is very well written. Michael Beirut is a true virtuoso of words as well as pictures, and with very brief anecdotes that have honestly left me yearning for more, he explains the logic, the skills and practices that lead from concepts to deliverables. So that is it for today. We have come to the end of episode 2 where we spoke about a model for design as the synthesis of strategy and tactics, how we can use this model to make our lives more enjoyable as we work with design, and a couple of examples to illustrate what it looks like in the real world. I should perhaps note that I am not sponsored in any way by the people or products that I introduce in this episode. I've simply found value in the work of Jack Butcher and Michael Beirut for myself, so I wanted to share the same resources with you. And if you find value in design discipline, then you can download our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We talk about concepts to enrich creative work and have conversations with outstanding thinkers and doers whose work relates to design. You can find illustrated summaries and comments on these episodes on our website. And if you'd like to have them delivered to your newsfeed, then you should follow us on Instagram and Twitter.